Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Grease the Wheels, your technician podcast that comes out of the mouth of your uncle, Jimmy, at the Rock and Roll Garage. Hey, thank you very much for listening. It's Grease the Wheels, automotive technician podcast for automotive technicians. Sounds simple enough, doesn't it? Girl. Hey, by the way, thanks for what you do, man. Uh, Planet doesn't have a fucking clue how to fix itself. Needs motherfuckers like you. Thank you for what you do. Hey, you know, and honestly, if you're fixing anything at all, really, planes, warships, drones, lawnmowers, whatever you're fixing, thank you very much for doing that and keeping shit going. Keeping shit going. Sincerely from your Uncle Jimmy, thank you. Hey, uh, I wanted to uh, talk to you about a subject. I haven't talked about this in a fucking million years, I swear to God. And uh, I just kind of needed a simple subject that I could, you know, bark out some shit on because i'm unbelievably tired right at the moment and i may just pass out on the microphone uh there's there's a little energy here there's a little energy here um but i wanted to talk to you about tools and because we haven't talked about tools in a long time and and quite frankly i'm a a tool guy uh i i I look at them i buy them i have them you i think you a lot of you are the same way uh we're kind of obsessed with tools and what we can fucking do with them uh one of the things that i wanted to uh to talk to you about first off, okay? Because I think a lot of you guys that listen to this are kind of seasoned. You're experienced guys, and you're able to look at a tool and see what you can do with it, see how you can manipulate it to get a job done, get something finished, get something to work. And uh, I think it's really important to have a good, and I mean, I think a lot of you have this already, you have to have a good mind. You have to you have to have a really good brain, okay? Your Uncle Jimmy's brain isn't working that well right at the moment, but uh, you have to have a good one. He doesn't have to have a good one. You have to have a good one, and you have to be able to think about solutions, and then you have to kind of fucking be able to kind of piece in other stuff. And I'll tell you what I'm talking about here. Uh, I was working with a the the guy who works next to me in my shop and he was working on a vehicle that's not the brand that we typically work on and he had to get a ball joint out now in the brand we work on uh ball joints are part of a control arm and you just replace the whole fucking arm and that's it it's all over you don't even have to grease a son of a bitch which uh honestly for an old punk like like your uncle jimmy just sounds wrong i think that uh, if you were able to actually grease stuff might last a little longer it might also be a little less noisy at times also too but uh that's neither here nor there we were trying to uh he was trying to and i was kind of helping just a little because i'm not really all that much help but he was trying to take out a ball joint it was one of those types that's replaceable just the ball joint itself and it's a press fit into the spindle Okay, great. And uh, But we don't have, where I work, we don't have an oxyacetylene torch set, so we can't really heat anything up too freaking hot. And uh, so uh, we're at a little bit of a disadvantage when we have to take something out that has kind of got what might be referred to as a taper fit or a press fit or an interference fit, something like a ball joint or even a tie rod end or the... Uh, part of the ball joint that has a stud on the end of it and again is bolted in and and there's an interference fit there uh so what we had to do was or what we did anyway is we went into our own tool room for the tools for the vehicles we work on which is vastly different than the tool room that they probably have at a dealership for the vehicle that we were working on and we found something that will work now i think a lot of you out there have these critical skills and, and honestly i don't believe that these are easy to pass down to people because if you're the kind of thinker that can look at something and say you know what i might be able to make that work i think that there's an awful lot of people who don't possess that i think that you guys and ladies too if you're out there uh, i think that you were able 
to do this better than really literally anybody on the planet because you're you're constantly and at least I am and I know that you know I mean obviously my friend and working in the bay next to me he was we're constantly working on stuff that presents all kinds of different fucking challenges and so there's an opportunity for different tools that do maybe different things to do something completely different and oh by the way work at doing that and so what we found was uh, a little press tool and I have no idea what its application is for the vehicles that we actually work on professionally during the day but at at night when we're working on something completely fucking different uh this tool did the job got that particular part out we had to you know modify it and hold it in place a little bit and then work it back and forth but it it did the job and so he was able to actually get the job done using a tool that was eh, not really specially made for that particular application i think and and the reason I bring that to you is because I see all the time new tools. You know, the Snap-on guy will roll in, and the Mac guy, or the Mac go, or even the Cornwall guy, or whatever else there is out there, and they'll go, "Oh, I got new tools, new tools," and they're they're designed to solve some problem. And I think in a lot of cases, when you look at some of these tools, they go, "Yeah, that's a problem I'm not having." So thanks a lot for the new tools, but yeah, I don't need them, you know. And uh, maybe uh, at any given time, you guys and myself included, we have tools in our box that are modified or bent up in a different manner. I know I have uh, several uh, brake line wrenches that are bent in a certain way so that I can install a small, and this is the stupidest fucking thing ever, but there's a small set of brake lines on one of the cars I used to work on all the time that were so excruciatingly difficult to get off because there was no clearance there. And when I bent these wrenches, I heated them up with a torch and I just bent them around until I had clearance to actually turn them. Uh, They became really fucking handy, whereas they were useless in their original form. And I think a lot of you guys, I I would probably say like 98% of you, have a tool, at least one, and maybe many tools like that in your toolbox where you you fucking ground it down or you bent it up or you cut off something or maybe you ground a, a small relief in one end of it or perhaps maybe just, just put a slice in it so you could get it around a bolt that, well, you really couldn't before, but now all of a sudden it fits perfect. I think a lot of you guys have that. And I want to just say, hey, kudos to you if you do that shit. If you modify tools and get them to work and you're able to take other tools and make them to work, it's really i i'm serious when i say that i think it's a sign of genius it's a sign of genius and and at the very least you are nothing if not brilliant okay and this is something okay and this is this is where i wanted to go with this this is something that's missing from our new hires our apprentice our uh, new people people who come in off the street with uh you know brand new shiny tools and uh, the only advantage that those poor bastards have is that number one they don't know what the fuck they're in for (laughs) but number two if they've come from a tech school or uh, some sort of trade school then probably the snap-on guy or the mac guy or even the maco guy or possibly even a cornwell guy depending on where you are in, in in the united states or even in the world one of these guys has gotten into that guy's or that girl's shorts and let them know that hey you know you're gonna need tools and we have great tools ask anybody and 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 lots of people will vouch that uh, you know all those tool companies i mentioned make pretty good fucking tools there's no question about that really but do they need to get into the shorts of people who are just starting to get into the field well my opinion is that they should probably not do that because as you know if you're a long-time listener uh new people get into the field 42 percent of them get the fuck out in two years so now here you are with uh you know 10 
you know, five, 10, maybe even $15,000 worth of tools and you've made approximately uh, uh, 42 payments on them and you still owe another 10 grand. And now you're going to go work in a bowling alley or you're, or you're going to work at Walmart or, or who knows where you're going to work. Maybe you're going to move up and into management or sales or something like that. Maybe you're going to make a lateral move. Maybe you're going to move up. Maybe you're going to move down. But either way, you now have this shiny new toolbox with these really uh, lightly used tools in your mom's shed or in your dad's garage and you don't know what to do with them and you have to pay every week a small uh, chunk of money to actually own them and a lot of times uh, I think a lot of times people actually don't pay and so that leaves the tool guys in the lurch because that's their money and uh, then they have to hunt you down and repossess your tools and it's a it's kind of a big thing so what i what i'd like to uh have you do as the experienced people the people who know what you're up to and know what you need to do the job i'd kind of like for you to try to impart some some knowledge and some experience and 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 some wisdom into the new people you know they come into your place and they've already bought the tools it might be a little too late but a lot of times what they'll do is uh they'll extend the deal for a recent graduate for six eight ten months possibly even a year possibly even two years hoping that they will take advantage of of these uh enormous student discounts on these tools, which leads me with one question. How the fuck come I can't get an enormous discount on tools when I fucking need them? And the answer is, well, the, the Mac go guy or the Mac guy has to, has a mortgage and he has a big ass truck he has to pay for in it. And if you ask him, he'll tell you it breaks down every other fucking week. And, uh, you know, you get the, you get the old song and dance and you feel bad for him. And the next thing you know, you're buying a left-handed fucking inverted, uh, cocksucker screw gun that you don't really fucking need, but you feel bad for the guy and he's got them on sale and he's got 40 of them because his corporate, his corporate people sent him 40 of them expecting him to sell them and they charged him for them and he cannot return them. All the only thing he can do is sell them i think actually uh truth be told that scenario does not occur anymore but it very it did it did used to occur uh they used to take the tool dealers and force them to take certain tools and they would not allow them to return them whatsoever and they had to sell them or take a loss on them and a lot of times they did both they sold them and took a loss on them. Uh, that's one of the things that goes on with tool dealers uh and and you know these guys actually uh they do provide uh, quite a service and, and where I'm at and I know that all of you have stories and, and you want if you want uh, we have a Facebook page for for Grease the Wheels you can certainly give me all of your uh, tool vendor horror stories if you want I'll go through it and I'll read them and we may revisit this subject in the near future or in the far future like I have now and uh, regale uh, some of our listeners with some of these stories of, of utter chaos that's gone on with tools tool guys tool vendors and tools you bought tools you made even whatever you got going on I'd love to hear your stories and hear your little uh, your scenarios and maybe the horror stories I hope there's not a whole lot of horror stories but you know what I'm pretty sure there is so what I'm asking you to do basically is to kind of shelter your new hires from this kind of stuff here if they uh, uh and the other th- <laughs> the other thing that happens and even i've done this i swear to god uh they'll tell me oh you know i got 50 percent off a of snap-on i said here's the money i want you to buy me this <laughs> and i'm sure that the snap-on guy really kind of fucking hates that but what are you gonna do you know i mean you, you know you get 50 percent off a of snap-on that guy's still making money you know maybe just not as much as he wants to and you get the tool you need, and you didn't have to pay full price on it. And the other thing is, too, with these tool guys, and I do, I, I feel bad for them because in, in 
at least in the shop I'm in, they're pretty regular, okay? So they're there, and the service is there when they're there. Whatever they, they have sold you in the past, if you break it, they will typically, unless you, you know, just completely destroy it with a hammer, they will typically replace it or repair it for you. And then all of those companies that I've mentioned are really good about that. They're really good at, at looking after their customers. Uh, I think in a in a couple of cases, I have a, I myself personally have a, a little screw gun. It's got a, a butterfly trigger on it, and I'm telling you, I can't live without that. If it goes bad, I suffer mightily, and I've had to have it repaired a couple of times. And while it's out, I bought a cheap knockoff of the same sort of thing. It's not really the same thing, and man, it just doesn't do the job. I just can't, I really can't perform without it. And I think all you guys are going to have at least one or two tools in your box that are like that. I mean, it's like you you literally pick that thing up every day and you use it at least a dozen times, if not more, and you could not do the job without it. And if it breaks, if it's a name brand piece of equipment from one of these name brand tool dealers, they'll probably tighten you up with either a pair or in one case with my uh, screw gun, they actually replaced it because I had absolutely kicked the living fucking shit out of it. I really had. But, I mean, I use it. I use it, and I have to have two batteries, and, you know, I'm always constantly charging one of them and beating the shit out of the other one. So if you have, and and as I was saying earlier, I said the tool guys who come into my place are really reliable. They're there. They're friendly. They're good to us. I have no complaints. We did have a Cornwell guy, but uh, in our place, we had a lot of lot of experienced mechanics who already pretty much had all the tools that they were going to need so there was really not a lot of tool buying going on with the staff that we have now we have quite a few new guys so it is it is becoming more lucrative for some of these tool guys to come around but the cornwell guy has begged off on us which is fine uh i i can understand why i don't i don't hold any grudges against any of those guys for any reason if they come by i typically like to sit you know i tell them all the time i say i don't really have a need for anything but thank you for stopping by because it, it, it's what they do but they could certainly blow us off because i know that where i'm at we're they're just not, they're not making money stopping at our place uh i think it's gotten a little better because we have uh we have a, a pretty good crew and we have quite a few new hires and people who have just gotten out of trade school or are actually still in trade school and working for us. So, And uh, like I said, you need to impart wisdom upon them. Now, I am pretty good. Now, I want to touch on this subject before I get started with this. I'm pretty good about lending my tools out, but only because the people I work with ha- have a, a more, and I feel lucky, they have more than a modicum of respect for other people's stuff mine and other people's there's a couple of those guys who are pretty brutal on like the tire machines and stuff and i'd kind of like to snip off a finger with my side cutters but for the most part everyone's pretty pretty respectable as far as tools go so it's not a real big deal to loan tools to one of the other guys and even the new kids they're pretty good with it okay now obviously if you've listened to your uncle jimmy go on and on you you know that he has kind of a temper and and he can get angry at a moment's notice. It doesn't really take much to get the engine fired up and get the phasers charged up. Let me tell you what. So if somebody borrows something from me, they pretty much know they got to bring that fucking thing back intact, or they may just uh, lose a finger or two, or maybe an arm 
or an eyeball or something or their life even i mean i'm not you know i'm not condoning violence but man sometimes it gets shit done so but i will loan out tools and i typically get them back in in pristine condition put right on the top of my toolbox which i gotta tell you on a scale of one to ten it's annoying and about a number three it's like ah fuck they didn't put it back where i got it from they obviously saw where i got it from they didn't put it back it's like whatever I got it back. It's cool. And they needed it. And then a lot of times I'll ask them if it worked for them. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, it did the job. It did whatever it needed to do. So everything's good. Uh, and, and the rule is, and you guys know this rule. Everybody, everybody should know this rule. If you don't know this rule, here it is. If you borrow it once, that's cool. If you borrow it twice, fucking buy it. Now, there's a, there's a, a, a little bit more to that, okay? Uh, with the brand of cars that I work on, we routinely have recalls and service actions and, and other things that we have to do to the cars. And we will have 10, 20, up to 50, and even 100, and sometimes even 1,000 or 2,000 cars that we need to do one particular operation to. And we may need to or want to buy a particular tool to help us do that job. Okay, I think one of the uh, one of the tools that we all bought a few years ago was a, a right angle bit driver that could fit into a bit, uh, you know, like a a screw gun. I bought one. Uh, I bought a cheap one, and it, about the first or second time I used it, it came apart in my fucking hands, and so it got smashed against the wall. It was never going to work again. Fortunately for me, I didn't pay a lot for it, which is kind of you know another another topic that we're going to have to discuss here. But I went out and got a good name brand one, and I used it about three times, and then all of a sudden, the situation with that particular service action changed, and now we don't have to do that repair anymore. So be prepared for that. I mean, if you're going to I mean, and, and that's the thing, okay? That's the thing I need to get through to you is that sometimes you're going to need, you're going to have to get a tool to do a specific job. You're going to use it 10 fucking times in three weeks, and then you are never, ever, ever, ever again going to use that fucking tool for anything, ever. It happens all the time. And I don't care what brand you work for. I think it happens at all brands, uh, whether you're a GM or Toyota or Audi. You're going to buy tools to do a certain task on those cars, and you're going to use it twice, and then it's going to sit in the back of your toolbox collecting dust. And it's going to irritate you because it's probably going to be expensive. But you needed it when you needed it, and you got it, and now suddenly... You don't need it anymore. And then when somebody looks at it, somebody will come over to your toolbox and go, oh, you still have one of those? Yeah, I threw mine away. You know, seriously, it's, and it's the, nature, it's the nature of the business. I've got repairs I've made to cars 20 years ago where I had a special tool that did the job perfectly, and, I, and it's been languishing in the back of my toolbox for 18 years now, unfucking touched untouched as a monument to what the fuck basically <laughs> oh shit all right so uh what i found here was a uh and of course you know me i am perusing the internet and i came up with this uh this little list and and this is not really designed for you guys i think a lot of you guys have these tools already subject to what the t uh, article is called it's a it's a top 26 most and, and here again 26 i don't know where the fuck they get this from it couldn't make it 25 they couldn't round it up to 30 i don't know they're they're murdering me uh top 26 most useful tools for every DIY auto mechanic to own. And I thought that this was funny because they show some pictures here and some of it is shit that they're never going to fucking need. Some of it looks like shit 
that you would you and I as pros would never fucking buy. And some of it's not even tools. I mean, here's a stack of fucking uh, microfiber towels. I, don't, I really don't see those as tools myself personally. Maybe you do. If you're on a detail shop, yeah, I guess you could call it a tool. All right, we're gonna go through this list real quick here because some of the stuff's kind of fun and we can have a we can have a good time talking about tools. And really, that's what I want to do because usually, you know, I'm I'm over here bringing you. Oh, you know, you got to stay at your job and you got to do a good job and you got to do this, you got to do that. And I don't want to fucking do that this week. I don't want to be preachy. I don't want to tell you what to do. I fucking hate that. If if it sounds like to you that I'm telling you what to do, please uh, just know that's really not the thing. I mean, I might give you a I might chastise you for not doing something. I might even say, you know, you really should have done this instead of that. But you know what? Who the fuck am I? I'm not your boss. I'm not your mom or your dad. I'm not your conscience. Thank you, God, for you anyway. Uh, so when I tell you things and, and I say, oh, you should be doing this, you should be doing that, you can just be like, yeah, all right, whatever. Uh, go fuck yourself, Uncle Jimmy. Uh, that might work for you. It ain't going to work for me, okay? But I wanted to bring you a little bit of a lighthearted one this week, you know, just kind of break the tension it's vacation time in america folks so you know if you haven't taken your vacation if you have vacation time saved up and you just keep working because you want the money you keep working and want the money is i just want to tell you i just got done saying don't do what uncle jimmy says but you should definitely think about taking a vacation because you just got to stop doing what you do for a little bit and and maybe maybe you might change your mind about going back to fucking work who even knows but uh, you should definitely take some time off definitely take some time off to recuperate to settle down to take a nap you know, all day, maybe even uh, to go somewhere fun, have fun with people that you live with or that you're, you're married to or that are related to you, whether they're kids or, or some other kind of relatives. Go do something that has nothing to do with fixing a fucking car or anything else for that matter. Just go and be a, a simple human being with simple needs and just eat and drink and, and have a good time. You know, really just relax. Just relax. Okay. I think it's just good advice. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. I know some of you won't. Some of you motherfuckers will get paid for taking a vacation at the end of the year, even if you didn't take it. And you're like, wow, okay, it's like a bonus. Yeah, it's not really a fucking bonus if you burn yourself right the fuck out. So uh, Uncle Jimmy suggests highly that you take a vacation. And, and right now is actually a pretty good time. You know, we're down here in the south in the southwest and it's hot as balls but you know what you know you just find a good room with some good air conditioning maybe go to the movies they always have air conditioning there you know maybe even just take a drive hopefully the air conditioning in your car works i mean you're a fucking mechanic it should you son of a bitch all right anyway that's enough about vac- about vacations i'm gonna be taking one myself here real quick and uh you'll hear you'll hear a podcast from me while i'm on vacation but you will also not hear the angst and the and the general uh the general anxiety and stress of actually having to go to f- fucking work the next day you're gonna hear from somebody who's like yeah you know i woke up from a nap and i realized i got to do the podcast I'm like eh, all right <sighs> okay so let's get started boys and girls all right anyway moving on here we're talking about tools okay now it says here top 26 most useful tools for every diy auto mechanic to own and it says number one impact wrench don't be confused with an impact driver or a hammer drill an impact wrench also known as an impactor Impact gun, air wrench, air gun, rattle gun, torque gun, windy gun. I've never heard windy gun before. Have you? If somebody out there called my uh, fucking air cat a windy gun, I'd probably hit him with it. And my, I don't even call my air cat an air cat. I call it an air pussy. And I use a bond voice. When I use you to tighten the tires, air pussy. And <laughs> Sorry, my, my Sean Connery impression sucks. So I'm never going to be on Saturday Night Live. Right? <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Uh, is a socket wrench power tool designed to deliver high torque and output with minimal 
exertion to the user. Yeah, that, well, that's pretty much how it goes. I think a lot of you probably really literally like 90 fucking percent of you do not have a pneumatic one of these things. I do. I still do. And I use it. Uh, here's the problem with that. Okay. If you're a DIYer and you're at home and you want to take a wheel off and you have a, a pneumatic impact on it, well, guess what else you got to have? You've got to have a fucking air compressor. And chances are you probably don't. Okay. Unless you're a, a real serious DIYer who likes to get in there and fuck with stuff and sometimes fuck it up. Yeah. Those battery powered uh, impact guns. They're the fucking cat's ass, man, because you could take them with you into a field, a junkyard. Uh, you could take them on the road with you in case your car breaks down, you get a flat tire, and you are like fucking way ahead of the game. But you know what? And and you boys and girls, really, do yourself a favor right now, because uh, this, this almost happened to me. It didn't happen to me, but it almost did. Uh, I changed the lug nuts on my truck. I got a, like a, a little Chevy Colorado, and the factory lug nuts were just shit. They're regular lug nuts with like a chrome-plated cap over the top of them, which is fucking stupid. I wish they would knock that shit off. It's just it's just horrible, especially in the north and the northeast where they slather the roads with uh, salt for six months out of the year. They were terrible. They fucked up. They looked terrible. So I went off and got some guard lug nuts for it, which are a solid chrome lug nut, and they look fucking great, and they're durable as shit. And uh, they're just they're, they're the ultimate, really, in my opinion. And I threw them on that truck. But you know what? I found that the supplied tire iron, as we called them in the day, the tire iron supplied with the vehicle did not fit on the new lug nuts. So I had to go get myself a tire iron that did fit on the lug nuts so that if I did get a flat, that I would actually be able to put my spare on because my truck has a spare. How fucking wonderful is that? Well, it's very wonderful, ladies and gentlemen. Let me just tell you, it's a lot fucking better than trying to drive to the nearest tire store with a run flat that's fucked and then having them tell you, oh, we don't have one of those. And then you have to buy some fucking tire you're, you're going to end up taking off in two weeks when you can get a real tire. And uh, it's just a mess. It's a mess. And you know what I, I'm finding lately, just as a little aside, is that a lot of manufacturers are going back to putting a regular spare tire in a car. Maybe not a complete entire whole spare tire, but maybe a space saver. Yeah, if you're a DIY guy at home and you have a compressor, sure, knock yourself out, get yourself a pneumatic air gun. Uh, but be careful here. Uh, I have bought some of the cheap ones that they sell at places like Harbor Freight or even Northern Tool. And uh, and because I'm a cheap bastard, I, I, I will freely admit it. Um, and they don't they don't really work very well. They don't work very well at all. I end up getting regulated to the back of the toolbox along with some other fucking tools that I don't need anymore. And then after a while, you just get tired of looking at them, you throw them away or you try to sell them or maybe even pawn them. But if you're going to have, uh, and this one goes out to all you pros out there as well, is that listen, you're going to buy an impact wrench and you're working as a professional, you're going to be taking a lot of wheels and tires off, a lot. So get a good one. Get a real good one. I have what I have is an Ingersoll Rand Air Cat, also known as an Air Pussy. And uh, this thing fucking kicks ass. And it's got settings on the back. And one of the first settings that it has tor almost perfectly torques the lug nuts down on the vehicles that I work on. So I'm real happy with that. I don't have to, I don't have to go get a torque wrench or a torque stick. Uh, but I, I check it 
quite frequently because it is wearing out and uh, it sits on the floor now if i leave the air hose hooked up to it, it sits on the floor and actually kind of spins the socket with a really dull moan and uh, i know that it's really not long for this world i'm gonna have to pick up another one but yeah that's a, that's an important tool for you guys especially that are pros and for your diyers it can make your life a lot easier get yourself you should probably get yourself a battery powered one now they're expensive these things the good ones, you can find cheap ones for 100 bucks. You might be able to go to a pawn shop and find a good one. Uh, inexpensive pawn shops are a real thing uh, across the country. Uh, don't be afraid to go in there. Yeah, they have a lot of guns, but uh, they also have impact guns. So you can get one of those there. Uh, number two is an impact driver. And what they're showing is uh, something like I was talking about earlier. Uh, it says it's the baby brother of the impact wrench. It's an impact driver. Uh, what it is, is just a little screw gun, basically. And they're showing a Makita one here, but it's, I have a snap-on one. And I'll tell you, it, if evolution works, uh, if I ever have children, they'll be born with one of these instead of an arm, instead of a hand on the end of their arm, you know. <laughs> uh, it really is awesome for a lot of different things. And what I, the one thing I use it for, and I think a lot of you would probably go, oh, God, really? Is that what you do with it? Uh, I use it to seat the lug nuts on the vehicles I work on. Now, what happened was probably about 10, 12, 13 years ago, the company I work for decided that we're going to change the thread pitch on the lug nuts used to be 12 by one and a half and you could bang those on all day long with an impact gun and they were never going to strip i mean yeah maybe once every five thousand you might strip one if you were in there crooked and you were just forcing it but then they switched to uh 14 by one and a quarter which is pretty fine really i mean if you look at it it's definitely a lot finer than 12 by one and a half we're talking about metric thread sizes here and so for the first couple of cars that i tried to use my impact gun to drive these lug nuts in all i ended up doing was making a fucking mess out of both the fucking threads in the hole and the threads on the lug nuts so uh i did two things i bought a tap and die for 14 by one and a quarter so that i could clean up the mess and then i took my impact driver and i put a 17 because our lug nuts are 17 millimeter headed and i put it on my little impact driver now you might think well why the fuck would you do that uncle jimmy i said well because my impact driver will thread these lug nuts in without any sort of damage whatsoever they won't it won't drive them in it won't strip them it's not powerful enough to strip a thread you either have it lined up or you don't and if you don't have it lined up it won't drive it at all and if you have it lined up it'll drive it in but then you have to remember to go back and actually torque it, which is not the worst thing in the world. And I haven't had a problem with that since. But for probably the last 10, 12 years, I've been driving in these fine threaded lug nuts with this 14 by one and a quarter with my impact driver and then coming back through with my air pusher and uh, sinking them down to the proper torque. And it's been working really well for me and I haven't stripped any yet. But uh, I'll tell you the other, <laughs> the, and we get we get new people in our building all the time. And, uh, you know, it only takes about a week, maybe two before they have to come over and go, um, somebody said you have the tap and the die for that. And yeah, here you go. And so they end up having to, to rethread, you know, maybe one, two, possibly even all five of the holes for a lug nut to go into because our our vehicles take a, a, a lug nut that is threaded. It's not a stud with a bolt on with a nut on the end of it. It's an actual lug lug bolt. And I'm not really uh overjoyed by that, but it still it works and it's fine. It's just a backward I think it's a backwards way of doing it, but but that's because I was born and raised a GM guy. So that's why I feel that way. And anyway I use my smaller handheld uh little impact driver for that and it works great because I have not ever stripped the lug nut using that tool 
So uh, that's something, I mean, I don't know if, if any of you struggle. I did, I struggled mightily right at the beginning with that, and then that was my solution. So um, if that works for you, uh, that's okay. Uh, number three on the list is torque wrenches. Yeah, you know, I, I'll tell you something, okay? And this is just a little uh, confession that your Uncle Jimmy has to make. I don't really torque a whole bunch of shit. Like, I just got done telling you I don't torque lug nuts. I think some of you are going, oh, what a hack you are. And you're probably right, but uh, I'm telling you, I check my gun all the time. It torques them real close to factory torque spec. So I don't really feel like I have to worry about it. I can feel also too when I'm tightening something with my impact gun that it's getting tight, but not too tight. Because if I have to go back and take them back off, the gun will take them right off. The gun will take them right off. They're not like so super tight that I need a fucking five foot breaker bar. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I don't know what it is either. It's a little aside here. Um, I, the last couple of weeks, I've had about three or four cars where somebody t- decided they were going to tighten the living fucking shit out of one of the fucking lug nuts. And they have to actually put the goddamn car back on the ground and and take the goddamn, this one, it seems like it's just one on every wheel. The other four come out, and then there's one that's like, yeah, fuck you, man, you ain't getting me out of here. And I don't know who the fuck is doing this, but if I catch somebody fucking over-torquing a lug nut like that, I'm just going to come up and kick them square in the fucking balls. I'm like, hey, that's not fucking necessary. Stop fucking doing that. If you can't figure out how tight they got to be, Figure out how to make them the right torque. Figure out how to do it. Get a fucking torque wrench and do it that way, okay? A lot of the guys in our shop actually do do that so that they get it right. And if you're just out there tightening them with the fucking, with a death grip like Superman would with a five-foot pipe, piece of pipe on your fucking four-foot breaker bar, then stop fucking doing that. If you need to, you can certainly pick up a torque wrench. There are some inexpensive ones. They sell those at Harbor Freight, and they have a, a actually a, they have a really good variety of these things now. Uh, I have picked up a pair of Snap-on torque wrenches. I have a, a three-eighth drive, which I use a lot for like spark plugs and that sort of thing. And then I have a half inch, which I'll use on head bolts if I ever do a head ever again. And I haven't actually used it on a cylinder head in probably yeah, I'd say six seven years. So uh, it, it, it was fairly expensive. So you know uh, that's. The only reason I would suggest that you might be able to get one a little cheaper somewhere else, maybe off the internet, maybe at a pawn shop, or perhaps even at Harbor Freight. Torque wrenches are great. Uh, lots of stuff should be torqued just because you need to make sure it's right where it's supposed to be because of thermal expansion, because of, of its location, what other processes are going on with what it does. You know, I mean, if it's a spark plug, obviously there's most spark plugs nowadays are screwed into an aluminum cylinder head. So you've got a bimetallic reaction going on there. If they're torqued too much, they may never come out again. If they're torqued too loose, they may even fucking blow out. So you want to torque spark plugs, at least, you know, if you have the steel plugs, you know, spark plugs are typically steel and the, and the cylinder heads are typically aluminum. And if you want to make sure that they're just tight, exactly as tight as they're supposed to be, you want to use a torque wrench. I think for a whole lot of other stuff, you can certainly get away without it. And I think that some of us, and I like to count myself among these people, some of us can torque stuff pretty close to where it should be anyway. Now, if you're new to the business and you can't figure out how tight to make something, definitely Get yourself a torque wrench, and especially if you're going to be doing fucking oil changes because I can't tell you how many times I pull out a goddamn drain plug and I have to fucking, I have to use the the ratchet on it the whole way out because the last jackass who did the fucking oil change in the goddamn thing tightened it so much he stretched the threads out 
because a lot of oil pans are aluminum and of course the drain plug steel so what's going to give well it's going to be the, the threads in the oil pan and they stretch them out and now they're really really tight see what should happen is when you torque them i should be able to come along later and unloosen that drain plug about yeah maybe five six good turns and then i can actually just push on it with a screwdriver and have it come out the rest of the way i do that all the time all the time i just flick the screwdriver at the edges of the hex it spins maybe a quarter of a spin i do it about you know maybe half a dozen times up to a dozen times and the next thing i know the drain plug is in the oil drain and the oil is draining so that's why you need to torque them if you are a fucking new guy uh, number four on the list here is colored socket sets. And it says here, have you ever got sick of spinning sockets around to see what size they are? Discover just how amazingly time-saving colored sockets are. Um, well, okay, sure, for a DIYer, that might be a good idea. Um, but then you got to remember what color, what size is what color. So it's not it's not the easiest fucking, fucking... I mean, they show, what's it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They show 10 sockets. They're all different colors. And uh, honestly, if you're a DIYer, you don't work on your car that much. You just... you. you you don't know what fucking size the gold one is. So what are you going to do? You're going to pick it up. You're going to put it on the nut. And you're going to go, oh, that ain't the fucking size. So really, does it does it matter what fucking color it is? No, if you don't know what fucking size it is, it ain't going to help you. You know, there's not like a little sign on the uh, above the bolt that says use the gold socket, you know. Uh, and as far as pros go, I mean, uh, if you're a pro, you don't need colored sockets. You look at a socket and instantly in your mind, you go, ah, that's an 11 millimeter socket. That's a 10 millimeter socket. Or, you know, the space where a fucking 10 millimeter socket used to be. Uh, do you go through those like crazy like I do? I have like an extra set and then I have this backup set to that set because there'll be days when I lose them. I mean, I haven't lost one in a million years, but that's because I have backups. If I didn't have backups, I'd lose them way fucking more often. It's like that whole story of my 11 millimeter wrench. I bought a cheap one and I don't give a fuck if I lose it. Have I lost it? No. Am I going to lose it? No. Fuck. I wish I thought of that about six snap-on 11 millimeter so wrenches uh, ago. Colored sockets. I don't I don't know how helpful that would be for you. Got to be honest with you. They, they just look goofy to me. I mean, who wants to use a purple socket? <laughs> oh, forget I even said that, will you? That just has all kinds of different connotations to it. Number five, cable ties, zip ties, tie wrap, panduit strap. Okay, I never heard of that one before. But uh, yeah, I'd like to, honestly, I've thought about this for a long time. I would like to meet the guy who invented the cable tie or the wire tie or the zip tie, whatever you want to call them. I'd like to buy that guy a soda because I have used wire ties to do so many fucking things. You have no idea. I think that the most, I think that's honestly like the number one invention of the 20th century. I think it's got Velcro beat because Velcro, I mean, if you pull it Velcro, you can get the fuck away from Velcro. I mean, the cops don't have Velcro handcuffs, but they have wire tie handcuffs and a lot of motherfuckers can't get out of them. That's why they use them and they're cheap. All you gotta do is come along with a side cutter and say, there you go, you're free. Don't loot the fucking food king again, okay, asshole? Um, wire ties are so fucking great. They really are. And uh, I think there's some people out there who actually think they're much greater than I do because I've seen some people pretty much build cars out of them. Um, but, you know, if you've got something that's hanging down or something that's not on right or, you know, you, and there's all kinds of other things you can do with them too. 
Uh, I just was uh, earlier t- tonight, I was trying to get a hose off of a valve cover on a BMW N55, and I put a wire tie on it and shoved the wire tie underneath the little the little claws that hold it in, and guess what? The claws didn't hold it in anymore, and the thing just slid right off, and it was like, great, because it used to be in the past, I would just fucking break those little claws off and replace the whole fucking thing, and I don't have to do that anymore, and that makes me very happy, so. You know what, too? I'd like, uh, and and I this is a challenge. I'm going to throw this out there right now for you. Get yourself over to the Facebook page for Grease the Wheels and give me the fucking weirdest thing you've ever done with a cable tie. And you can make it as obscene as you want. I mean, I don't care if you've taken a wire tie and shoved it down the entire length of your urethra or if you shoved it up your nose and then back down the other side of your nose and then hooked it together. I don't care. Put it in there. I'll read it. I might puke, but I'll, I'll fucking read it. And I will be amazed. And I, you know what? I'll share. I really will. I will share what some of you crazy bastards are doing with cable ties. I think a lot of you are probably uh, having fun with the old lady and wire tying her shit to the bed or whatever, or maybe, you know, doing crazy stuff to the dog. I don't know. Whatever it is you're doing with it, hit me up with it, and we'll uh, we'll discuss it uh, at a later date here on the podcast. I can only imagine what I'm in for. Uh, anyway, number five, cable ties. Definitely get yourself a good assortment of cable ties. Yeah, they might seem expensive. You know, you get a bag of a thousand. It's like, ah, it's 20 bucks. It's like, fuck, man, I have banged through so many ba- thousand count bag of, of cable ties. I bang through them. I use them for everything, man. There's so much shit in my shop that's held in place with, with fucking cable ties. You know, I mean, if I can get away with it, you know, I mean, I don't, you know, if it does the job, it's like, fuck, you know. All right, moving on here because cable ties is it's a subject I could talk about all day and it would bore the shit out of you all day too. Uh, number six here is a, a digital vernier caliper. They decided that this would be good for a lot of different people to have. And I agree if you have something that you need to measure in order to get the right one, they're fucking indispensable, really. Um, a lot of times I'll be working on stuff and this happens a lot to me now because I'm a big fan of older cars and the older cars have standard SAE nuts, bolts, and fittings and another assorted screws in them. And they don't match up even remotely with the shit for the brand of cars I'm working on now, which is all metric. I mean, you might be able to take a 13 millimeter wrench and turn a, a bolt that has a half inch head on it, but it's, it still it just doesn't fit right. And there's not a good feel to it. So, you know, you almost need a second set of tools, which I have. And uh, in order to get some of these some of these uh, fasteners, you know, especially if you're working on something old and the fasteners are no good, you're going to want to fucking measure them. And the vernier caliper that they're showing here is, uh, I mean, it's pretty uh, it's pretty universal. Uh, I actually bought one. I think I got it from from Harbor Freight. They do sell some fairly quality stuff. Uh, I mean, I'm not I don't like to run them down completely. There is some stuff they sell that is garbage, uh, but uh, for the most part, there is a pretty good attempt to make something that's going to at least work. And one of them is this micrometer, this vernier caliper that I'm talking about here. And it can measure inside and it can measure outside. And you can even change it from millimeter to inches, which is always good, especially when you're working with an old dumb son of a bitch like me. And I have seven sixteenths fasteners in my 68 cutlass. And I need, you know, ones that are fucking half an inch longer instead of half an inch shorter or whatever. And I go down to the bolt place and I go, this is what I need. And they go, are you sure? And I go, yeah, I'm sure. Because I measured it all up with my fucking digital vernier caliper okay yeah there's a lot of great things you can do with it um i definitely you know if you're gonna if you, you'd probably need to be a semi-serious diyer to need something like that but it would definitely make a lot of uh your repairs possibly uh much easier uh i know that on some older vehicles some older v8s american v8s fords and and gm motors 
They have different length water pumps depending on whether or not you have air conditioning or not. This kind of a digital vernier caliper could straighten out which part you need in a hell of a hurry, okay? Uh, anyway, moving on here, we got a number seven tap and die set. Yes, I got to be honest with you. I could not live without my tap and die set. Just knowing that I have it is like a crutch for me, a mental crutch for me, okay? Because sometimes I have to, in this, I, I mean, daily, really almost literally daily, I'm trying to put a bolt on and a bolt in a hole or a nut on, and I don't have a straight shot at it. And so I have to kind of either try to thread it on with my fingers or put it in the end of a socket and try to thread it on. And if I'm not straight on, guess what it wants to do? That's right, it wants to become a stripper. You know, and I'm not going to be stuffing any money down that little motherfucker's G-string. I'm going to pull it off. I'm going to scream at it. I'm going to tell it, no, not today, motherfucker. We're not stripping out today. And then I may have to go in there with my tap and die set Straighten out the threads in either the hole or in the nut or whatever I fucked up and and get that shit all straight so I can get it back together again right. Okay, now one of the things I have is I have kind of a machinist background from when I was younger. I went to college for that stuff. So using tap and dies comes pretty naturally to me and I, I don't have too many problems with stripped out nuts and bolts. Plus two, I'm from the Northeast, man. There's sometimes you go to take a fastener out and that thing's just looking you right dead in the eye and saying, I am not going anywhere, motherfucker. And you have to go, yeah, you are. Watch this. Because as Frankie would say, man, they can't be stuck if they're liquid. You heat those motherfuckers up until they're cherry fucking red, and then you fucking start turning it, and it hasn't got a fucking choice. It's coming out. And even if you snap the head off, what do you do? You take a nut, you put it on there, and you MIG weld the nut on there, and guess what? It comes out. But it might ruin the threads afterwards. You're like, you know what? No fucking problem. Because I have my tap and die set right here, my crutch. I go in and I rethread it all. And guess what? I get a new bolt, it's back to brand new again. And I look at that old bolt on the floor and I give it the finger and go, fuck you. Fuck you. You didn't fuck up my day, you little bastard. Pretty serious kind of piece of equipment to have if you're a DIYer. There are also different, and I want to warn you about this, okay? There are different quality levels to tap and die sets. There are, in fact, there's extraordinary quality differences between tap and die sets. Now they happen to be showing a set and i can tell just from the picture that this is a set that costs around 30 bucks and will probably honestly cause more fucking problems than it will solve because the tolerances because this is one of those kits that's made in taiwan or maybe over in the mainland china either way the tolerances are not so good and they may in some cases actually destroy a thread Rather than to fix it, of course, you're going to have to be, you know, somewhat intelligent about which one you use. I mean, obviously, if you use the wrong size die or the wrong size tap and you start shoving it in a hole and turning it, you're going to have a fucking, you're going to have problems. Because you get a, you get a tap broken off in a hole. Yeah, that's, uh, taps are really pretty hard. They're hardened to a real high rock while somewhere in the 30, 32, 34 range. And you are not going to be able to fucking drill through them it's not something that you're going to be able to do okay you'll have to have specialized drill bits which you don't have i don't have them some machine shops might have them but even they know that they're really not going to be very good for drilling through a fucking tap a broken off tap you're better off trying to get in there with something through the flutes and then pinch it together with a pair of vice grips and hopefully maybe you can spin it out backwards if you haven't gone in too fucking far the tap and die sets that they will sell you at a place like a harbor freight or maybe even like a northern tool or something like that and maybe ones that you might get 
you know, anywhere else really, you know, like maybe you got one at a, at a Kmart years ago, or even a Craftsman one at Sears quality is just, eh, it's just not that great. I mean, on a scale of one to 10, I'd put them at about a five or six. Yeah. You could use them to retap something. You could use them to rethread something, but they're going to get dull. And they may, and like I said, the tolerances may not be so good. Uh, the tap and die set I have is a pretty good one. The quality is pretty good. It's a snap on one. Actually got my hands on that one when I bought my brand new snappy toolbox a bunch of years ago. And then they decided they were going to give me $1,500 worth of free tools, which said to me, hey, how come I paid so much for the fucking toolbox? But, you know, that's the way they do things. And then they gave me a jacket and they gave me a bunch of other shit too. So uh, they really want you to buy a toolbox. They want it, they want to reel you in as a, as a snap-on guy or a Mac guy or a Maco guy. Uh, and, there, and there's hundreds of companies out there now making toolboxes. I mean... I'm past the point where a toolbox says anything to anybody about me at all that I want it to say. I don't give a shit. It's a box I keep tools in. Does it make me look like I'm rich? Does it make me look like I'm famous? Or does it make me handsome? Fuck, no, it doesn't. It doesn't do anything except hold tools, okay? It's not really supposed to be a status symbol of any kind. I think at some point in time in my life, it may have kind of represented something along those lines. I think for some of you, it may. Uh, I would, I would, you know... Take a good long look in the mirror and say, really, you know, spending $9,000 for a toolbox, is that better than spending five or three for something that might be a little less expensive? I don't know. That's just something you're going to have to make up. You're going to have to decide for yourself. Same thing with a tap and die set. If you're going to be using it a lot, I use mine a real lot uh, just because it's really, like I said before, it's really hard to get at some of the fasteners on the cars that I work on and they will get their threads fucked up if you're not going in straight. And you know, you think you're going in straight, you get about three, four turns in and it starts to lock up and you're like, fuck. And you know, you have to go back in and rethread it. And, uh, fortunately I haven't had too many problems with that. With experience, you get a feel for when something's going to strip. You get a feel for when something's not right. And sometimes you can go in and actually chase the threads out before you fuck them up. Uh, sometimes that, that doesn't work that way at all. <laughs> Number eight, uh, good one for home use. I'd say if you're going to be a DIY auto guy, and it's not something I have it, I have one of these at home. Uh, they have a, a shop one that belongs to the shop where I work. It's a slide hammer set. Now you might think, well, you know, a lot of cars don't require a slide hammer anymore, but you'd be wrong because uh, we have an awful lot of people who have uh, locking lug nuts on their car, and I wish that they would outlaw the fucking things, but I understand also too why that some people decide they need them, but for, for the most part, it's just annoying as shit for the technicians because when you ask the customer where the wheel lock key is, they, they pull off the dumbest look on their phone. I didn't know I had wheel locks. You know, and of course that means what they're really trying to say is, I don't know where the wheel lock key is. Good luck. And I'm like, well, I don't need luck. I'm fixing your car. So you're the one who needs the luck. And and if you are in luck as a jack off with fucking wheel locks on your fucking wheels, I can, uh, I have a set of uh, wheel locks that I can go and try and see if one of them fits yours. And if it does, well, that's great for me, but you're not getting it. And so if you're on the side of the road someday and you need to change a tire and that wheel lock is staring you in the face going, aha, it's time for you to be the guy that gets the big fuck you. <laughs> uh, and then you call up my shop and say, oh, I need somebody to come out here and take this wheel off. And we go, I'm sorry, we can't hear you. We have a bad connection. Click. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah. And so what happens in a lot of cases is that if somebody does lose a wheel lock key and we don't have the right key, we go in and we put a little tool on the wheel lock and we pull 
with the slide hammer, we pull the top of it off and we can get it out from there with a, a special tool that we have. So, and a slide hammer is great for pulling out wheel bearings and hubs and, and dents even, you know I mean? It's a slide hammer for fuck's sake. You got a great big dent in something, hook it up, drill a hole in the fucking thing, bolt it down and pull it out. Boom. Way you go. Uh, as far as DIY users, I don't know if, if, uh, you know, it depends on your level of, uh, technical expertise let's say it that way uh you may or may not need a slide hammer i need a slide hammer about twice a year working as a pro so am i gonna buy one to have it work no i'm not the shop has one perfectly fine don't need it that often uh <laughs> i'm sorry uh, i just re- i just want to read this next one it says heat gun or blowtorch i'm, I'm sorry i just really love the term blowtorch <laughs> oh shit uh, heat guns are cool. Uh, well, that's actually an oxymoron, but heat guns are uh, pretty good for heating up like shrink tubing and shit and maybe even straightening out a, a plastic bumper or stuff like that. Uh, having a heat gun for home use, I'm not sure what you're going to be using it on at home. Like I said, the skill level uh, that you're at, you may need a heat gun. You may want a heat gun. As far as the blowtorch goes, I can't see any good use for it, especially the blowtorch that they have pictured here. Uh, maybe you could heat up a fastener that was stuck with it, but... Uh, as far as I'm concerned, really the only thing that's any good at heating up a stuck fastener is an oxyacetylene torch set. I don't, I don't really suggest anybody go out and get a blowtorch for shit like that. All right, heat gun or blowtorch? Heat gun's very useful. Blowtorch, yeah, I don't know about that. Number ten, brake cleaner and WD-40. I don't know if I would consider them a tool, but uh, for me, brake cleaner is one of the fucking greatest things that God ever allowed us to come up with here because you can do so many things with brake cleaner. I mean, besides cleaning brakes. You can clean really anything. And, you know, uh, just so you know, that if you are working on an interior in a car and you get a grease spot on it, especially if it's a tan or even a white interior, it's like, oh, what the fuck? You know, you can't even you can't even sit in a fucking car without making it dirty if you're a technician and you need to clean some of these marks off the interior. Brake clean works great because it evaporates immediately. It evaporates immediately. So you get the dirt off. It goes with the brake clean. The brake clean just says, see you later. And leaves the dirt on the floor, probably, I don't know, or, or on a rag or whatever. But brake clean works really well for cleaning, like, really light-colored interiors. You should give it a try sometime. But try it in a spot where it's not going to be noticeable if it doesn't work. Because some, some brake cleaners have different different sorts of uh, chemicals in them, some of which you don't want to fuck with. And you certainly don't want to spray them on something inside of a car if you don't know how it's going to react to this particular type. Because as I found out <clears throat> a couple of years ago, uh, there's probably a good 10, 12, 15 different kinds of brake cleaner. And a lot of times, some of it's the same, but it's packaged differently. Uh, some of it is flammable. Some of it is not flammable. Uh, the non-flammable stuff seems like it's not very much fun. Uh, some of the stuff that works the best is also the the stuff that's really chlorinated. I don't know what what it is about that. Uh, you cannot buy that in the state of California. You can barely buy it in any of the other states. Uh, and it may by now be gone completely because it was the stuff that when you used it, if you used a lot of it, especially if you were like underneath a car and trying to clean out like a differential, yeah, you might wake up sometime tomorrow because I'm telling you what, this stuff will put you right to sleep. And hopefully it doesn't damage too many brain cells. Although the jury's out on that for your Uncle Jimmy. Uh, as far as brake cleaner and WD-40 being a tool, Eh, WD-40 does help uh, make squeaks go away and shit like that. It says here that it'll free up bolts, but it's definitely not the best thing for that. PB Blaster and that sort of thing, uh, that's that's good shit for that, okay? 
And then, oh, as a use, as a tool, because brake cleaner and WD-40 are a tool at number 10. Number 11 is the brake cleaner dispenser. You know, a little spray bottle you put them in. Uh, what's the ones I have called? I forget what they're called. It's a, it's a little steel can, and you fill it up with brake cleaner, and then you air it up with an air hose. And a sure shot, I think they call it. Uh, yeah, well, as a tool, I don't know if you would call it a tool. It dispenses brake cleaner. I don't know if brake cleaner is a tool, so whatever. We're going to skip over that mechanics gloves here again not a tool but very fucking handy i gotta tell you honestly uh i've been wearing gloves or what some of you people call bitch mittens for a long time now and they have saved my hands okay because i used to get really fucking filthy and like i said i'm working on a luxury brand so i can't just fucking jam my hands up a car's ass and get them all shitty and then just jump in the car and start driving the fucking thing okay i can't do it if I get the steering wheel messy, if I get some of the buttons all greasy, I'm going to fucking hear it, and it's not going to be good. You know, I mean, what will happen to me, and, and, you know, this hasn't happened because I've been very careful about this, but, you know, I work on, like, one of the most expensive cars we sell. It's got a white or a tan interior. I'll be, you know, jerking off something that's got bearing grease in it underneath the hood, and then I'll jump in the car to start it up and turn the steering wheel or, or maybe, you know, move the shifter through the gears or something, and next thing you know, all three of those things have fucking a fucking very thick layer of grease on them, and I either don't or I forget to clean it off, and then the lady comes to pick up the car, and she's wearing a really stunning white dress, and after she gets in the car and starts it up and starts to drive it, now her dress is spotted like a Dalmatian because she's got big, fat grease spots all over it and she comes back into the dealership screaming bloody fucking murder and i guess i gotta say i don't really blame her so i used to have to wash my hands like literally 30 40 50 fucking times a day and the skin was starting to fall off my hands but now that i have uh, uh gloves you know like a latex glove that i wear uh i don't have to do that anymore if i want to get in the car I just take the glove off the glove has the dirt on it my hands don't and i can get away with it so it saved me a lot of time and i would i would say it's actually a tool because it allows me to be way more efficient fixing a car and, and fucking with it in whatever manner i need to fuck with it i want to do someday and i've i've already done this but i want to redo that i want to do a comparison uh that i can uh put on the internet for you guys to look at a comparison of brake cleaners. Uh, I did one once. It was real amateurish, as you, only you can imagine from your Uncle Jimmy. But I want to do another one and uh, and have it look a little bit more professional. And I want to do the same thing with trouble lights, uh, find some real popular ones, and then go through the pros and cons of what's good about them, and then throw the round ones against the wall because a round trouble light is just trouble, basically. And then also I want to do the same thing with gloves, okay, because there's different kinds of gloves. Some fit good, some fit bad, some are black, some are tan. Uh, th there's, there's a million of them out there, and I've got a favorite brand. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm, I'd like to actually do this comparison someday and then have you figure out what you like without me saying what I like, okay? I just want to try to be objective about it, okay? Uh, yeah, of course, mechanics gloves can definitely be a tool. Uh, number 13 on the list here, we're moving on here, brake caliper piston wind back tool. Uh, you know, I don't know how many of you have those kind of brakes. I don't have them on all of the cars that I work on, but it seems like I have them on most of them. And we have a factory tool that works really well for spinning them. And there's also other ways to move. And this is usually just on the rear caliper because it's a parking brake piston that you're screwing in really basically is what's going on. Because if it was just a hydraulic piston, you could just push it back with a, anything really, uh, a screwdriver or 
pry bar or whatever. But if it's got a parking brake uh, function to it, you're going to have to screw that piston in. And you're going to need some tool that has a couple of pins on it, maybe three pins, who knows, maybe even four. I've got a kit that will spin almost all of them in. I don't know. I don't. You guys will have to fill me in on how many cars out there have them. I'm not familiar with any of the other cars that have that type of an emergency brake setup on the rear caliber. Uh, I would say looking at the kit, a lot of them do. And I feel bad because it, it just makes that job suck dick, really. I mean, you want to go in, you want to take a screwdriver or a pry bar, pry the piston in, throw the pads in there and fucking call it done. But no, you know, the piston doesn't pry in, you have to screw it in. And you could, you can hook up the tester and the scan tool and you can spin the, uh, you could spin the e-brake piston back in man with a, uh, with a, uh, what do they call it? a service mode but who the fuck wants really who the fuck wants to fucking do that especially if you're in the middle of fucking with brakes already your hands are probably already fucking black from the fucking dust because anytime you're changing brakes boys and girls you know that this is true anytime you're changing brakes they're fucking done and when brakes are done what the remnants of them are is on the wheel it's on the caliper it's on the rotor it's on every fucking thing that you touch it's on everything you touch and then it's on your hands, and then it's on your fucking face, and then it's on your shirts, on, and it's in your nose, it's in your lungs, and that's why I fucking hate brakes. It gets so fucking filthy, and it was about, oh, I want to say two, three months ago, I actually was doing a set of brakes, and I, I must have rubbed my nose just right because I gave myself an almost perfect Hitler mustache. When do you think that anybody in my fucking shop would tell me that I had dirt under my nose like that? Ah, oh, fuck no. They kept... They kept waving at me. Hi, how are you? You know, in a, like a little Nazi salute. I'm like, you guys are fucking assholes. Uh, so besides the fact that I hate brakes, this could be a good tool if you're going to do brakes. Uh, as far as DIYers go, I really, really have to have pretty good understanding of how brakes work to fuck with them. I, I am. I have to say that it should almost be illegal for somebody who's not a mechanic to work on their brakes just because of what they're supposed to fucking do. Because if you're, you know, I mean, we, we talked about it before. We made a joke about it you know that you, you know you, you go and do the brakes in your car and suddenly they don't work anymore and you hit a school bus full of cheerleaders and you kill them all and really i, I you know i can't even wrap my man i can't even wrap my mind around a scenario like that you know where where uh you know and even if they're not cheerleaders even if they're just regular kids you know going to school or going to camp or going bowling or whatever they're doing on a bus going wherever they're going you fucking hit them and kill them because you did your own fucking brakes you're probably going to go to jail. You may go to jail. It might be criminally negligent homicide. You know, I'm like, hey, how many brake jobs have you done in your life? None. And why were you doing the brakes in your car? Because I wanted to save money. I go, now 15 kids are fucking dead. You know, they're never going to grow up to be DIY automotive mechanics. <laughs> Seriously, I just don't, I just feel like, honestly, uh, and may maybe this is an idea that would work. I think if you're going to buy brake tools and brake parts from an auto parts store of any kind, that you should just pass a small five-question written test. You should have to pass it. You should know. I mean, I, I could probably make up the questions if I thought about it for more than five minutes, and I haven't. It just popped in my head right now as I'm doing the podcast. But, you know, if you if you know the answer to these five questions about brakes, then probably you know what you're up to. But if you can't even fucking answer one of those questions right, or if you get four out of five, I'm say, sorry, I can't. I can't sell you pads because obviously you don't know what the fuck you're doing. You need to go to a pro. I don't know. Is that fair? 
I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot of people out there. I think I'm sorry. I'm having trouble spitting this out because I think there's a lot of fucking people out there working on shit they have no fucking business even looking at. Never mind fucking touching, tearing apart, or attempting to reassemble or fix. I just, I just and and there's some shit that gets broken and goddamn it, it should just stay fucking broken. All right, I want to move on because the number 11, 14 tool is a bag of rags, and I'm not going to say anything else about that because I don't see how a bag of rags is a tool. 15 is a parts washer. Okay, yeah, you need to wash parts, but you know what? You could do that with a fucking can of uh, Super Clean or a spray bottle of Super Clean and a toothbrush in your driveway and then just hose it off with water. Uh, so we're going to skip over that a little bit. I mean, yeah, you could buy a parts washer, but if you're just a DIYer, I don't really think you're going to need that that much. I mean, if you're going to get into it and you're going to do like some serious heavy-duty engine work or maybe you're going to do some suspension work where you have to mess around with the uh, differential bearings or maybe wheel bearings up front or that sort of thing, then yeah, maybe a parts washer would be a good thing for you, but I'm not sure at all how many times you fucking do that kind of shit, okay? Number 16 is an automatic wire stripper. Now I've got, they've got a picture of a wire stripper here, and I have one of these, and it sucks, and I think it's back home in New York where I live because I don't have it at work because it sucks. I have a, a different type but anytime you have an automatic wire stripper, uh, that is if it works for you, then yeah, it's a very handy tool. I don't know how many DIYers are working on electrical circuits. I Again, I hope not many. Uh, it's not that tough for somebody who knows what they're up to. But for somebody who doesn't, they could cause some big fucking problems. Number 17, it says light it up. We're talking about workshop lights. Uh, I think, I don't know if I could count that high, but there's like a fucking gozillion different kinds of fucking lights to work on shit some of which strap on your fucking head some of which go in your pocket some of them have magnets on it and stick to parts of the car that are you're you're fortunate if you can find it with a ferrous metal underneath i'm telling you the cars i work on are nearly completely fucking aluminum no shit i mean i've got trouble lights i've stuck the bolt heads that's the only thing I can find in them that's steel. Uh, there's there's really a, a million and one. Maybe what I would like to do, because I like I said, I want to do a comparison. And I want to do, uh, my vision for this comparison is a very destructive test. I want to I wanna actually, because you know your Uncle Jimmy has kind of a temper. And I know that some of you do too. And you get angry. And if a light is not doing what you want it to do, especially if it's fucking round and it keeps rolling over and shining in your fucking eyes, what do you want to do with it when you're done with that repair? Well, you want to throw it against a wall and call it names like a cocksucker or a motherfucker, whatever. So I want to I have a really harsh t- test a really harsh, uh, you know, comparison test of some of these lights and see how they hold up to the fucking slammed against the wall fucking test. You know, that's what I want to do. As far as lights go, I have a tendency to pick up uh, different lights from different manufacturers in different places that other people have suggested. Uh, some people say, well, you know, I like this light here. And why do you like it? Well, it does this, it does this, it does this. And then I pick one of them up. Sometimes they're not fucking cheap, but I'll pick one up and I'll get it charged up and I'll go to use it. I'm like, yeah, I can see how that thing's useful. And then it does something I don't like. Like if it's round and it rolls over and it's not suddenly fucking show, you know, uh, lighting up the area I need to have lit up, then all of a sudden I don't fucking like that light anymore. (laughs) 
So I need a, I don't, I don't know what I need. I don't think that there's a perfect light out there. And so that's why we're going to test a few. Maybe if you have a favorite light, definitely hit up the Facebook page and, and give me an idea of what your favorite light is and why you like it. And I'll, uh, I'll test it against some of the ones that I like. I think one of the major things about a light that I like is that it be cheap because I'm a pretty destructive son of a bitch. And uh, I've got one light now where there's this is so weird too but the on off switch is such a hair trigger that if i just brush it with like even like a, f- a finger or just i mean if i just even i swear to god even if i just look at it cross-eyed it shuts itself off and i am i'm about 30 to 40 seconds away from smashing this light into a million motherfucking pieces with a hammer because i have a hammer i have a really good one and i will use it i'm not thor but i'm telling you what i will smash the fucking shit out of this light if it pisses me off anymore all right anyway uh yeah i want to kind of lights are definitely an important tool you got to see what the fuck you're doing and when you get older like your uncle jimmy is you'll find that there ain't enough light in the world to light up what you're working on you'll be i mean telling you you'll have like the sun shining over your shoulder and you'll have a fucking searchlight you'll and you'll have a laser and you still won't be able to see what the fuck it is you're looking at and then you think to yourself well i'm probably gonna have to give this up because i'm nearly fucking blind and somebody will say, hey, I should have given it up a long time ago. And then I'll turn around and say, who said that? Uh, number 18. And this is a good one, okay? Uh, out, out of the, some of the shit on this list, some of the shit on this list wasn't very good stuff. Uh, stuff I don't think that you really needed or stuff that didn't need to be highlighted anyway. Do I know I need a bag of rags? Well, yeah, I know I need rags. I'm going to have some paper towels. I'm going to have some rags. But do I need a list that has paper towels and rags on it? No. I want real fucking tools. And here's one. Number 18 was the hook and pick set. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm like you. I think anyway. I have three or four different sets of of pick tools. I have radiator pick tools. I use them all the fucking time for all kinds of crazy shit. I have a really, really long, like a thin uh hook set really long one is a snappy set then i also have the little shorty snappy ones and then i also have a really long little max set that i used to use to clean uh the carbon goo built up on the back of the intake valves of some of the turbo cars i work on well guess what i don't (laughs) i don't do any of that work anymore so i haven't used that pick tool set in a long time but i'm still glad i have it because every once in a while i find a use for one of those and it makes me feel good that I still own it. Yeah, we used to have to uh, do a walnut shell blasting to clean the back of the valves on some of the turbo cars that we had because they had direct injections. So there was nothing going through there except air. And the air was going through the, excuse me, the air was going through the uh, intercooler. And you would think that air going through an intercooler would be nice and crispy, cool and clean, but it's not clean. It's just fucking full of oil for some reason and this oil collects on the back of the intake valve and it coagulates and it turns into this big gooey mess and after a while your car throws a mass air sensor faults and you're like what the fuck and then you pull the intake manifold off and you see these great big clumps of fucking shit glued to the fucking stem of the valves for the intake so you got to go in there with the pick tool set that i bought the specialized one and you clean off as much as you can you blow it out and then you go in with the you go in with the walnut shells and you make it all shiny new again and it fucking runs mint again by the way so that's one of the things that's good for hick uh, hook and pick set i use uh the 90 degree i have like a gazillion 90 degree hook 
hook tools and i have to use them to get connectors apart because they fucking manufacturer i work for has put a little tab into each connector that keeps you from actually being able to get it off so you have to move the tab out of the way and the hook tools shit is really good for that and then you have to kind of get in there and move up the little clip that's holding it on to whatever it is it's connected to and the hook tool is great for that and then you have to push it off and guess what the hook tool is good for that as well so i don't think i could get any connectors apart without a good 90 degree pick yeah, that's a good choice. You're a DIYer. Definitely get yourself a hook and pick set. You talk to a lot of mechanics, uh, you'll find that they have more than one set. And they have several. Some are long. Some are big and fat like radiator hook tools. Number 19 is a, is a very curious one. And I wonder how many of you have these types of clamps. But it's a hose clamp plier. It's the one with the cable on it where you stick it in some remote location and you squeeze a handle like, you know, good foot and a half away. And it takes those clamps that are just like a spring-loaded clamp that don't have a screw or anything on them. And it takes those off. Now, I don't know how many of you guys have those. I unfortunately have those on the fucking cars I work on. And I have to take them off all the fucking time. And I hate it. I fucking hate it. But I have that exact tool, that hose clamp plier. And it does make it a lot easier. It doesn't make it real easy, but it makes it a little easier. So that's a good tool to have if you're going to be fucking around with a heater core. The the heater hoses and the heater core and that kind of shit. Okay, because that's what I have to use it for. Number 20, I got to say, number 20 is not a good one. Number 20 is not a good one because... Number 20 is the mini grease gun. And it doesn't matter how mini it is. It doesn't matter how maxi it is. It doesn't matter if you have even one of those old antique goddamn grease gun things that takes a 50-gallon tub of grease and is pneumatically driven through a hose into a grease fitting. You do not need that almost at all. I think probably there are some trucks out there, some Fords and some Chevy trucks and maybe some Rams or Dodges whatever you want to call them these days, that do have Zerk fittings, which is what the grease fittings are called. They're called Zerk fittings. It rhymes with jerk fittings, which which is something completely different, by the way, Uncle Jimmy. Thank you very much. The mini grease gun, you don't need a grease gun. Okay, there hasn't been greasable joints on cars for many, many, many years. And unless you're working on something old like your Uncle Jimmy does, you don't need one. And if you're your Uncle Jimmy, you do need one. And you don't buy a mini one because they just run out of grease really fucking fast and it just pisses you off. Number 12 says, uh, <laughs> I love this one. I actually do not have one of these, but I could definitely use it in certain situations. But I don't know. It just makes me feel like a, makes me feel like a, re- a jerk or like an idiot to use one. It's called, the number 21 is large adjustable spanner slash wrench. And what they're talking about is a crescent wrench. They can be very helpful in a lot of different situations, but they look awfully silly in your toolbox. I do have them, but I use them mostly for bending up sheet metal because you can kind of get them tight on a sheet metal and almost use it as a small sheet metal break. There's certainly nothing wrong with them, but it's just not the right answer for a lot of situations. And if, if you see somebody who goes for it a lot and uses it a lot, you can bet your ass there's a lot of rounded fasters on that fucking car. It's just not really a, a really good tool for a pro, and I uh, honestly would not recommend it very much for DIYer, okay? 22 is T-bar sets. I, I find, ladies and gentlemen, do you have as little room in your engine compartments as I do? I haven't got enough fucking room sometimes to even change my fucking mind when I get my hands halfway up a car's ass like I do these days. I I have to have extensions and swivels and all kinds of shit like that. And then maybe, maybe at the end of it, I could put a ratchet if I'm lucky. So having anything that's a T-handle, typically it's not very helpful for us 
with the modern vehicles that we have. Sure, they can be great in a lot of different situations. Unfortunately, those are situations that me, myself, as a personal, as a professional, and as a personal mechanic, I don't find myself in those situations. I mean, yes, a T-handle T-30 socket driver could be great for taking off a license plate, but you know what? My screw gun does a much better job, so I just don't have a lot of use for those. Uh, I suppose if you had a task you had to do several times with the same type of fastener on the same type of job, and you can use one of these handles, might be great for that. But I, I actually have a set that I bought years ago in my garage, and I have never, ever fucking used it. So I can't say that that's something that I would recommend to a pro or a DIYer. Now, 23... Number 23 is damage stud slash screw slash bolt removal set. Uh, they're showing uh, one of these uh, easy outs that you screw in backwards, and then when you get it in tight, it's supposed to screw the bolt out. I got to tell you, I am completely hit and miss with these things and mostly miss. They just don't work for me. I think part of the problem is that it's extremely difficult for me to get a hole drilled in the middle of a broken off fastener, especially when it's not that fucking big. And a lot of times it's in a spot where you can't even get a drill in there anyway. So these things, uh, I got to tell you, I think that the best way to remove a broken off bolt is to have some, uh, get a pair of needle nose pliers and hold a nut over that broken off stud and get your MIG welder out and MIG weld a nut to that fucking thing. A couple things happen. Number one, you now have a, a hex head that you can use a wrench or a ratchet on. And number two, the heat from the from the welder will sometimes cause that bolt to release. I have found that to be extraordinarily successful. Whereas these screw extractors with the left-hand threads on them, I find that they, they fail at a, at a horrific rate. And I have a set, but uh, I have enjoyed literally nearly zero success with them. So I'm not sure I would suggest that. Um, if you're a DIYer and you're not very handy, you have no mechanical aptitude or manual dexterity, and you're going to break off a lot of fucking nuts and bolts, maybe you ought to get a good set. Maybe you ought to get a real good set with some good left-handed drill bits and then go from there, okay? Uh, but if you've got a modicum of skill and a modicum of intelligence, you shouldn't really need broken or damaged stud removal tool set. And if you do, you, you can certainly go ahead and get one. There's many different kinds. They sell them everywhere, especially in the north. <laughs> Our number 24 is another ridiculous one. It's colored spanners. Uh, the same thing with the uh, spanners. Who calls them fucking spanners? Oh, yeah, that's right. The English do. Okay. Uh, colored spanners here. You don't have to remember the size of the wrench, just the color of it. No, you have to remember the size. And oh, by the way, the number 13 is gold. And the 10, that's green. So that when you drop it in the grass, you can't fucking see it. Uh, you still need to know what size it is. You know, you can't just say, hand me the black one. Oh, fuck, that ain't it. Give me the red one. No, that isn't it either. Give me the blue one. It's like if you, you know, like I said before, you can look at a nut or a bolt and say, oh, yeah, that's 13 or that's 10. Uh, you don't see a lot of 11s. I've never really even seen a 12. 14 is not very common. 15 is not very common either. 16, 18, and 21. That's pretty common stuff. You can tell what size a wrench is if you've been doing it for more than a couple of years. If you haven't been doing it for more than a couple of years, I don't think the colors are going to help you. <laughs> You still really need to know what fucking size it is. You're not going to go up to somebody and say, well, you know, you got to take this off. Oh, I need the blue wrench. Uh, number 25 is an air compressor. I agree that if you're a DIYer or a pro, especially if you're a pro, you should definitely have an air compressor. 
Uh, very, very helpful for running all kinds of pneumatic tools and also filling up tires and also also running sandblasters possibly and then also allowing you to spray paint, which is always a good thing, I would think. So yeah, you definitely want to get a compressor and there's different sizes, different kinds. I happen to have a great big mama luch, great big fucking Ingersoll Rand compressor. Cost me a hell of a lot of money, but man, that thing makes some fucking air. Holy shit. Let me just tell you something too, boys and girls. You get a compressor, better learn how to maintain it because if you don't, it will not last you very long. Okay. They have to have the oil changed and they also have to have the water drained out of the tank. And if you don't do either one of those things, might as well just not buy it because you're going to be throwing it away real fucking soon. Okay. They require a lot of maintenance. And this is one of the problems I have in my own home garage is that people like to use my compressor and they don't fucking think for 10 fucking seconds that they needed to perform any kind of fucking maintenance whatsoever because guess what? It's not fucking theirs. And guess what? They can't fucking use them now. I don't allow them to be used. I have a lockout tag out kit and I make them so they don't fucking work. There you go. Eat shit. You know how to fucking change the oil or the air filter or drain the oil out of the water out of it? Then you can't fucking use it. Sorry. Angry little diatribe from your Uncle Jimmy, okay? Uh, number 26, which is supposed to be the last thing on the list, but it, you know what? It keeps going. It actually goes to 28. So I guess we got some bonus time here. Uh, 26. They said there was going to be 26. Set of mini wire brushes. Well, as a tool, the set of these uh, cheapy $1 wire brushes, you know, the plastic ones with either steel brass or plastic are those are those real really tools i suppose if you're a detailer then yes they're tools and, and i use these things all the fucking time i don't really consider them tools are they good are they helpful hell yeah they're real good for a lot of different things so we'll let them slide with that 27 yes there's a 27 and a 28 so the list wasn't 26 it was 28 which is even more irritating because they could have gone on to 30 or stopped at 25 but no 27 is a foaming engine degreaser yeah, it's not a tool. Sorry. Number tw <laughs> number 28. This is the last one. And then I'm going to put the kibosh on this podcast because it's just really been kind of stupid. And I apologize. But every once in a while, you just got to be stupid. Trust me, your Uncle Jimmy knows how to do that really well. Number 28, 600 millimeter plus breaker bar. Now, it says no matter what job you're performing, a half inch torque wrench should never be used to undo highly torqued bolts. Well, yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah, you wouldn't use a torque wrench to do that. This is because they're calibrated. Yeah, a breaker bar is just a solid bar of steel with a half inch socket on the end, allowing more leverage to be applied. Well, okay, yeah, I have one. It's got a ratchet head on it. It's not just a breaker bar. I'll use it as a breaker bar. I don't give a shit. It's a snappy tool. I've broken it a couple times. I've also had it bent like a C. I have really had some tight shit. And use this to get it loose, and, and and that bar will bend. Believe me when I tell you, if you saw a picture of it, you go, holy fuck, how'd you not break it? Well, the answer is I actually did break it. So but, uh, if you're a DIYer, let me just say something to you right now real quick, okay? If you're somebody who doesn't work on cars on a regular basis, maybe three, four times a year, I would not buy one of these enormous breaker bars. Because what I have found in my experience is that somebody who doesn't work on cars very often doesn't really have a good idea of how tight tight is and how tight too tight is. So if you get yourself one of these fucking 600 millimeter breaker bars and 600 millimeters, boys and girls, looks to be about three feet, you get a fucking socket on the end of one of these things and I don't give a fuck what bolt you're, you're on, whether it's a crank bolt or whether it's a lug nut bolt or a fucking cylinder head bolt, you put this three foot breaker bar on there and you can break that shit really really fucking easy 
you can break that shit. If you don't have a feel for it, if you don't have a feel for when something's about to let go, you can cause all kinds of carnage with a really long breaker bar. And the one thing about a, a long breaker bar is that you could go out to a construction site or a Home Depot or any other fucking place and find a piece of pipe that's maybe eh, five, six, seven feet long and put it on the end of this fucking thing and multiply the torque by a number that you wouldn't be able to believe. And you could snap off literally fucking anything with a piece of pipe on a long ass breaker bar. And I'm not making that up, boys and girls, because we used to do it all the time just for fucking grins. Fucking put a piece of pipe on a long-ass breaker bar, put a socket on a fucking bolt, and just snap that motherfucker right off. Sometimes that was the plan. You, as a newbie, as somebody who doesn't really have a good feel in your fingers and your toes for how tight something is, you can really fuck some shit up with something like that. And then you're going to have to turn to somebody like me and go, oh, look what I did. And then I'm going to have to weld a nut to it and take it out. Uh, And I don't really want to have to do that. So be careful. If you're going to get the big ass fucking breaker bar, get the just fucking take it easy. All right. Because if you have a big enough breaker bar, you could probably split the earth in two. And I'm not kidding. That's the end of it. Uh, One last thing I want to leave you with is uh, the tool guys, okay? Their job, if you have tool guys, I'm just going to make a plea for these guys, okay? Now, I know a lot of you guys don't really like them because you probably owe them a shithouse of money, and it's unfortunate. But if you have tool guys who show up in your place every week, maybe once in a while they don't hit your shop. Maybe once in a while you're waiting for them to show up because you got something broken and they just missed a week or, or something happened. The truck didn't work or somebody in the family passed away or they had to go somewhere or something bad happened or maybe something good happened and they they couldn't make it in because of that. You have to understand that that's a business that they're in and when you don't have a lot of need for what they have, they're probably not going to want to come around, especially if you know, like you were working with three, four, five other guys and really all you all have the tools you're you need and you don't really at any time have a need for any other tools your tool guy's not going to want to come in he's not going to want to come in and if he still does just to service you you have to remember that guy's not making any money off of you and yet he's still servicing you so when you do finally need something you need to think of these guys first okay because i think a lot of us will hit the internet when we have some kind of a need and and we immediately need to be satisfied for that need. We'll go to the internet and buy whatever it is we need to buy off of Amazon or Tooltopia or any of these tool sites. And those are great places to get tools. But don't forget about those guys who show up and, and service you every week. They may deserve your business. If they've been good to you and helping you out and replacing broken stuff, then yeah, you're gonna need to pony up every once in a while okay i mean if you're already paying them then maybe this little speech doesn't doesn't really hold a lot of water for you i I know that some of you guys out there have massive fucking tool debt uh and then that guy just shows up every week to collect and then then that can be irritating too but for some of us who don't buy anything from those guys we have to consider and then you know what with the advent of the internet and the fact that you can get any tool you want literally off the internet i think you're going to start to see these franchises go away you know where a guy has a truck and he shows up every week and he's there to you know service the tools he sold you before and maybe sell you new tools i think that's going to go the way of the milkman it's not going to happen anymore i think that at some point these companies are going to say listen why would we do that when we can just sell the shit online you know we can just get their names and addresses off of our list from the from the franchisee and bang on them with emails all day long and special ads that show up on their phone, you know. If you have a human being who comes in and services you and your tool needs 
and you don't buy anything from them, just tell them at least, just say thanks for coming in. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for being there for us, you know. And if you get a need for something, you know, maybe maybe what he's got is a little more expensive, but, you know, he's got bills. So I don't want to I don't want to beat you, beat you up about this. Uh, you may hate your tool guy. I've hated some of the tool guys I've had, and I, I don't really want to see them ever again. But there's been some really awesome tool guys, too. Uh, it's, it's just like it is with everything else. You're going to have guys who are good at it and deserve your business and you're going to have guys who suck at it who don't deserve your business decide how you feel about that and proceed accordingly okay now proceeding accordingly your uncle jimmy is going to put an end to the podcast for this week and he always does that by just going see ya